This is The Illusionist, in which I, Helen Zaltzman, rescue language from a burning building. This is the first of two episodes talking about a word that has shaped the wiring of my brain since my brain began, and not in a good way. I don't think I'll ever be able to fully unwire it, but this is a bit of help. Content note, this episode contains discussions of body size, body image, weight, fat and anti-fatness. But first, if you want to support this independent podcast, and independent means I make it on my own, no institutional support or funding, there's no cash cow. Where do you even get a cash cow these days, eh? If you did find the cow and have some spare cash, then become a member of the Illusiverse at theillusionist.org slash donate. And you not only get to keep this show rolling, you get regular live streams with soothing readings from reference books, and you get behind-the-scenes info about every episode, and watch-along parties. This month we watched A Room With A View and the Eurovision Song Contest together. Any requests for future watches? And best of all, you get to hang out with your fellow Illusionauts in the Illusiverse Discord community, the nicest place on the internet. Join us at theillusionist.org slash donate. On with the show. There was one uh, day, my job was to bring in like a little sweet treat on people's birthdays. And there was one person who loved donuts the most. So I came in with two boxes of donuts for the office to pass around at our staff meeting to celebrate this person's birthday. And uh, I walked into the office and one of my coworkers looked at me and said, oh, are those for you or to share? Oof. And I was like, this is like two baker's dozens. This is 26 donuts. Somewhere in this person's mind is just me tucking a napkin into my collar with a fork and knife and just <laughs> going to town on 26 donuts for like one meal. And then being like, okay, what's for lunch? Yeah, totally. Got to get beach body ready. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Boy, oh boy. <sighs> My name is Aubrey Gordon. I am the co-host of a podcast called Maintenance Phase. And I've written two books. Most recently, You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People. And my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Maintenance Phase is Aubrey's podcast with Michael Hobbs, where they debunk junk science behind health and wellness fads and help us understand the perniciousness of diet culture and anti-fatness, which infiltrates and affects people of all sizes. There's also a documentary about Aubrey, Your Fat Friend, premiering in June 2023, about Aubrey's work to achieve a paradigm shift in the way that we view fatness. There is sort of this whole set of baggage that we are all culturally bringing to this word all the time. Fat is one of those floating signifiers, right, where people sort of pin it to different places. There's not a standard social definition of it. For me, when I think about looking for other fat people, there's sort of an internal goalpost that I'm trying to meet and an external one as well. The external one for folks who feel like they need to pin something on, like, this is a fat person, is if you go into a department store and cannot reliably find your size, congratulations, welcome, you are a fat person, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you are consistently sort of wearing plus sizes and struggling to find your size, if, say, you forget to pack a pair of underwear or something for a trip and you don't know where you can get 
underwear in your size, hello, welcome. You are one of us. <laughs> um, I would say internally, and because it is a, a sort of socially blurry term, when I think of fat people who I share an experience with, I'm thinking of people who are defined by a shared sense of exclusion at this point. I hope that I am able to change this definition. But I'm thinking about folks who get on a plane and worry if they'll be allowed to keep their seat. I think about folks who go to the doctor's office and steal themselves for a series of conversations about weight loss and have to strategize about how to get their symptoms addressed. I think about people who pay sometimes twice as much for the same garment that is one or two or three sizes smaller. When I think about who sort of my fat people are, they are the people who folks would say, I'm okay with being plus size, but not obese, right? It's the people who are socially defined as quote unquote too fat. I am, uh, I'm one of those people, right? Like you drop me in any place, anytime <laughs> in human history, people would be like, that's a fat lady. And I'd be like, you're right. Check. I sure am. <laughs> But in some cultures, they would have been like, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well done. Absolutely. But still, that's a fat lady. Good job, fat lady. But that's a fat yeah. lady. Um, <laughs> uh, how about you? How would you say that you define the term fat for yourself? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I don't think I've ever been able to define the term fat for myself because it was defined for me from the very start. As soon as I was aware I had a body, I was made aware that it had failed failed at being unfat, which was the most important thing about it, according to whoever adjudicates these things. Who is that? Everybody? Strangers on the street, loved ones in the home, every form of media, every garment shop. Fat wasn't just a description of my body, which is in fat parlance, mid-fat, meaning medical discrimination and street harassment, but I can still occasionally buy clothes in shops, not many, but not none. Like my height, my circumference remains about the same, barring extreme interventions. Even a couple of years ago, I couldn't have just said all this to you, or self-described as fat. It's thanks to the work of Aubrey and other writers and fat activists that I can use the word fat just as a description of my physical form, because usually the word is so saturated with the culture of anti-fat bias, which some call fat phobia, but Aubrey and I do not. I use anti-fatness or anti-fat bias mostly because uh, phobias are real things and they are real psychological conditions and uh, folks who experience phobias don't need more stigma. And to my mind, having a conversation about bias, uh, especially given the state of conversations about implicit and explicit bias, invites more folks into understanding that as an organic part of our experience as humans in a society. And also quite a bit of people who are terrible to fat people are not afraid of us and maybe should be a little bit more. We will cross you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think a lot of people are afraid of the word fat. They're afraid of saying it uh -huh. or having it said to themselves uh -huh. or being it. Watch out. Oh no. Oh no. It's coming for you. It's huge. Yuck. It's getting bigger. It's getting bigger. The flam. Help. 
coming to engulf you all at a cinema near you. But it's interesting that a lot of people are also afraid of calling us fat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though we visibly are. Yeah, absolutely. It's as plain as the fat on our bodies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the way that it presents itself, I know you've experienced this as well, is if I self-describe as fat, uh-huh. or even one of the euphemisms, they'll be like, oh, you're not fat. And, and I guess what they mean is you're not morally reprehensible yeah. like I think fat people are innately. Yeah, you're not disgusting. I don't see you suffocating in a bag of McDonald's. Therefore, <laughs> <laughs> You're not sitting in a kiddie pool full of melted butter. Yeah, totally. You don't bathe in gravy every day. Good job. Well. (laughs) You can't win them all. Keeps me looking young. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, no, I I think the one that I get uh, most often and the one that I, uh, you know, sort of hear used about other fat people most often is you're not fat, you're beautiful. Oh, yes. The two are mutually exclusive. It sort of proposes implicitly that there is a binary between the two. I mean, the way that I feel when people say the sort of like, you're not fat, you're blank, is it it feels to me like they are revealing a part of their psyche that they don't know that they're revealing, which is if I see someone as fat, I can only see them as fat. And when I only see them as fat, I have a profound number of sort of prescribed assumptions that go along with that. I assume that they are lesser intellectual force. I assume that their hygiene is bad. I assume that they're unattractive. I assume that no one wants to date them. I assume that they don't have anything meaningful to contribute. I assume that they don't know how to lose weight or what diets are and they need me to tell them. I assume that they'll be grateful when I tell them how hideous they look and that they need to change the way that they look immediately. A lot of people don't realise they have that bias. Mm. Just lots of people, people I consider good friends, will say in front of me, like, they'll be talking about, say, a troll. And they'll be like, oh, he's probably some fat, sweaty guy who lives in his mother's basement. And I'm like, well, he could be someone of any any size or sweat levels. And house prices being what they are these days, rental crisis in so many places... It's not the same kind of shame to live in your parents' basement that may induce you to abuse people online. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we had that modeled in the US by Donald Trump said that about uh, some of the intelligence leaks that happened here. He was like, oh, it wasn't us. It was probably some 400 pound guy in his mother's basement or something like that. And at the time I weighed 400 pounds and was like, oh, that's cool. So it's fully just open season on me and like the dude version of me. Like it's it's absolutely horrendous. And then the response from the left in the US was, well, Trump's one to talk. Look at how fat he is. And I was like, oh, great. So now we're just arguing over who's fat. Ugh. We had an opportunity to take the high road in all of this. And instead, we opted for things like for weeks, there was a trending hashtag on Twitter in the United States uh, about Mar-a-Lago, Trump's resort in um, in Florida. Uh, and the hashtag mostly from folks on the left was Mar-a-Lardass. You can do all the terrible political things. Trump has done and all the terrible other things he's done, but his body is the worst of his crimes. Cool. Yeah, where you're just like, oh, so 
no one cares. <laughs> Even the people whose position is we care don't care about fat people. It's it's a really uh, it's a real bitter pill to swallow to realize yeah. that there's just not any sort of natural allies to to rely on in a struggle like this. When the word fat is used so much as an insult, it doesn't show people how to use it in a neutral way, so they end up using other terms to try to say what they're trying not to say. The word that always, well, the words that always bothered me considerably more than fat are the many, many, many euphemisms that people who aren't fat come <laughs> up with to supplant fat. Curvy. My chins are. Totally. I'm like, I have one curve, guys. I'm like, just like a like an egg <laughs> shape. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Not curvy. Uh, also, like, curvy is a body type and should be able to be a body type, and I don't have it. Um, <laughs> fluffy. Oh, God. Fluffy. Boy, oh boy. Fluffy is. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. That's my dog. You're talking about my dog. He's very fluffy. I, as a human being, am not. Well, it's a compliment for the yeah, dog. Totally. <laughs> totally. I was very uh, interested when I looked up um, where the euphemism husky originated from. Oh. Because I thought that's such a weird one as well. Is it because we fatties, our bodies, there's so much more resonance of our voices. No, it was like a euphemism for plus size boys clothes. Yeah. Uh, I did not know that that was the origin of Husky, but it makes sense. I feel like the times that I heard Husky most were as a kid. Um, There was a brand in the US, it might still be around, I don't know, called Granimals. And it was like fat kid clothes. (laughs) And it was like, you don't want to be seen in the fat kid clothes because then everybody knows you're a fat kid who's wearing the fat kid clothes, right? It's remarkable to me how much of our anti-fat stuff starts by targeting kids. An example from the 1970s, Sears was marketing its fat kid clothes as chubby-sized. A print ad touts their fashionable chubby sizes. Well, chubby isn't a euphemism. Is it better or worse than the euphemisms? It's a really particularly unflattering view of humanity. (laughs) We look at how we tend to treat fat kids, which is as some kind of social contagion or as uh, someone who needs to experience stigma early so that they learn not to be fat or what have you. If we keep at it, maybe we will find the right amount of shame and self-flagellation that makes fat people thin. Just going to take a quick break for the ads. The Illusionist is sponsored by Bombas, makers of thoughtfully designed, comfy clothing essentials. At time of recording, there's a heatwave here in Vancouver, in mid-May, in Canada. I've never been fond of hot weather, firstly because climate apocalypse, secondly because sweat and chafing, yuck, yuck, yuck. Not with Bombas, though. Their socks are seamless and blister-preventing, breathable and sweat-wicking. Their t-shirts are so soft, and I find the necklines are ideal for providing coverage against this infernal sunshine, but not irritating an over-hot neck. And, of course, any inconvenience or discomfort this house cat is feeling is a lot greater for people experiencing houselessness. Socks, underwear and t-shirts are the number one, two and three most requested items in houseless shelters. That's why, for every comfy item you purchase, Bombas donates another comfy item to someone in need. Go to bombas.com slash allusionist and use the code allusionist for 20% off your first purchase. That's 
B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash allusionist and use the code allusionist at checkout. The Allusionist is sponsored by Squarespace, your one-stop shop for designing and running a website. You can pick your URLs there, run a store, sell merch, even source merch, uh, do mail-outs. Squarespace is like one of those rare things where you find a shop where you can buy birthday presents for every family member and then you're done for the whole year. Well, if that's your low-maintenance style, then Squarespace is ideal for you because it never requires you to patch or upgrade anything ever. You never have to call or send it a card or flowers or check-in. But you could. You don't have to. Your website can take care of itself. Sure, it would love to see you spend a little time, show you all its lovely features, remind you of what made it special in the first place and still so special now. It's really kept its looks. Go to squarespace.com slash allusionist for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code allusionist to save 10% off your first purchase for website or domain. And now back to Aubrey Gordon. Part of the reason that I really bristle at a lot of those euphemisms is that they are often paired with unquestionably sort of anti-fat behavior. So fluffy didn't used to be one of my least favorites until I was at a restaurant for a work lunch with a bunch of my colleagues. And the person who sat us at our table, while I was sort of sitting down in a particular chair, he came over and sort of grabbed my shoulders and lifted me back up and was like, that's actually not a chair for fluffy people. And like, I love fluffy people, but like, it's just not going to work and da, da da da. And then called someone over to get a different chair from a different table. And it was just this whole production in front of all of my colleagues at work. Right. And I was like, this is a level of attention I am not desiring of. <laughs> this is an approach that I don't care for. And after that, I started paying attention to who was most invested in using those euphemisms. And it was often people whose behavior was at best insensitive and at worst, like pretty overtly discriminatory. And I would much rather that people just get comfortable with a word that they think is sort of rude and treat fat people like people. What if they get too comfortable? Yeah, totally, totally. They're like, well, I'm comfortable with using it as uh, a weapon. Yeah. Just not as a descriptor of uh, a body that is fat. Yeah. Some of the advice you gave in the book was to mirror language that fat people use about ourselves. But some words I don't want a non-fat person to use. Some of them are in-group words. Like if I call myself a fatty, I don't want other people to call me a fatty. Uh, Yeah, fair. That's reasonable. Again, like I feel like this is all stuff that is solved by like, show any interest in how the fat people in your life are responding, (laughs) right? Show any sort of level of curiosity about like what's affirming to folks and either have a conversation about it, use the language they use or they ask you to use, right? Like I I think there is um, plenty more room for conversation about how to do that right. And step one is like actually manage to care, uh, how the language that you use impacts fat people. Uh, and that feels like the big hump to get over currently. Even if people are listening to this thinking, yeah, but you're fat, so you don't deserve 
my sympathy or acknowledgement of your humanity, you should at least consider how the word fat and the way you feel about it impacts people of all sizes. It makes a lot of people feel terrible, even if they're not fat. Absolutely. Do it for the thin in your life too. (laughs) Yeah, be nice to fat people as a way of being nicer to thin people. (laughs) That's what we're for. Did your colleagues, um, how did they respond when that uh, restaurant staff was like, fluffy person coming through, (laughs) get the reinforcements? Honestly, I would have preferred that version. (laughs) (laughs) Did they do anything? No, they all just looked very uncomfortable and no one said anything or did anything. Classic. Um, Which is sort of like, uh, listen, I've done this. I think other folks have probably done this too, where you sort of assume that the person who is the target of the behavior needs to lead the response without really thinking about how much that is asking of that person at a moment of public humiliation, right? That folks don't want to like overstep or say more or different things than you would want to be said, but also the impact of that is you experience this very public kind of humiliation or being singled out. And functionally, your experience of that is, uh, you know, no one stands up for me. I'm in this by myself. You know, that's a rough, that's a rough place to be. Yeah. I think that happens an awful lot of times. People don't know what to do in a moment of anything. And also particularly one where it's, like tied up in so much complication in their own minds. Absolutely. And the best thing you can do is not acknowledge someone's fat because maybe then it will like not exist. Right. I think in just a commanding majority of experiences of public anti-fatness, absolutely no one says anything. People avoid eye contact with me that I become sort of a non-person because people are trying to manage their own discomfort rather than trying to tackle a social situation that's playing out right in front of them. To be fair to people, it's hard to manage that discomfort when anti-fat culture has been stoking that discomfort throughout our lives. And because our vocabulary for fatness is awkward or cruel or both. The word that folks think is the most polite one is overweight or obese. Oh, lovely. Yeah, totally. Like, delightful. Love to be called obese. Yeah, absolutely. The trick about those terms is overweight very explicitly in plain English implies that there is a right weight for everyone to be, and you are over that weight and you need to get back down. This is based on uh, a very uh, sort of 19th century idea of standardizing human bodies being a top priority. The other one is obese, which folks say, ah, it's a medical term, so it can't be insulting. (laughs) First of all, plenty of slurs were medical terms, right? Like, oh, yeah, a great plenty. Like many of our slurs for developmentally disabled people come straight out of medicine. Medicine is not neutral. How do people not know that? No, it's really wild. And I think it's worth knowing that obese as a term etymologically just comes straight from the Latin for eating oneself fat or having eaten oneself fat. And we used it long before it was used medically in the same way that we use it now, which is I'm okay with people being fat, but not obese. 
which is not a medical designation. That's a social line that people are drawing of like, these are the bodies that I think are now unacceptable. Fat might be okay, but obese, absolutely not. In the late 1990s, lots of people became obese overnight when an organisation calling itself the International Obesity Task Force recommended that the World Health Organisation expand its definition of obese to include people whose weight was not hitherto considered obese, even though researchers recommended the opposite, that the range of healthy weights should actually be bigger. Despite that, the WHO went with the task force rather than the researchers. Who's in the task force, you cry? Why, it was primarily directors of weight loss clinics. And the bulk of the funding came from manufacturers of weight loss drugs, who now had a much bigger market to sell them to. A solution manufactured a problem. In um, Old English, they translated obese as overfat. Oh, great. (laughs) For some reason... I kind of prefer. I would love to be called overfat. (laughs) It's that suit that we put over ourselves. Listen, uh, I have been targeted by any number of trolls from any number of uh, anti-fat sort of uh, message boards and 4chans and whatever's from around the internet. And there are things that they come up with that they think are uh, insults and I think just sound kind of bitching and great. (laughs) My favorite was being called, repeatedly being called a ham planet. Oh, take us to there. Right? A whole planet of ham? Sign me up. (laughs) Ham planet. Right? Wow, that's majestic. Yeah. Land whale is another one where I'm like, that just sounds great. That just sounds great to me. Yeah. Whales great. Also, if whales weren't fat, they would be dead. Yeah, correct. Correct. And then where would you get your perfume from, you know? Surprisingly, though, a few of the less flattering-seeming euphemisms have pretty nice etymologies. Stocky, for example, was a strong and sturdily growing plant. So I looked up portly, Uh which meant stately and dignified (gasps) and of noble appearance and bearing. I love this. Okay. And then stout which I've never really heard used in a complimentary way, but it meant proud, valiant, and strong. These are both great. I wouldn't mind being those things. This is great. Yeah, I'm going to reclaim stout. Stout is great. Are you a tall person or a short person? I'm a tall person. Short. I'm like five foot three. Oh, God bless. So short and stout like the rhyme. Totally go for stout. If that is an affirming one for you, thumbs up. I will absolutely go for portly. (laughs) Yeah, treat yourself. Take a treat yourself. Just a portly little ham planet over here. (laughs) We'll hear more from Aubrey Gordon in the next episode, but I'm also interested to hear from you. How do you feel about the word fat? Are there any euphemisms or synonyms you particularly enjoy or bristle at? If you want to share any of that in the next episode, Get in touch via voice message or writing at theillusionist.org slash contact. Your randomly selected word from the dictionary today is... Figurant, noun. A supernumerary actor who has little or nothing to say. Try using figurant in an email today. This episode was produced by me, Helen Zaltzman. The original music is by Martin Austwick of palebirdmusic.com 
hire him for your film trailers and other compositional work. The cast of The Flab was Felix Trench of Wooden Overcoats Podcast and acting and writing, find his work at felixtrench.com. And you heard from Aubrey Gordon, who co-hosts the podcast Maintenance Phase and writes her new book is You Just Need to Lose Weight and 19 Other Myths About Fat People. And the documentary about her, Your Fat Friend, premieres in June 2023 at Tribeca Festival and Sheffield Dockfest. Find Aubrey via yourfatfriend.com and maintenancephase.com. Our ad partner is Multitude. If you have a product or thing about which you'd like me to talk, sponsor the show. Contact Multitude at multitude.production slash ads. Seek out Allusionist Show on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, and you can hear or read every episode, find links to more information about the topics and people therein, donate to the show and become a member of the Illusionverse, see the full dictionary entries for the randomly selected words, and browse a lexicon of every word covered in the podcast, all at the show's forever home, theillusionist.org. 